here. And that lets you save the look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. All right. Welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in to see what we have going on this week and being a part of our True Form Life community. Today, I'm bringing on Michelle Fondin, who's actually been on in the past. It has been a couple years ago, but I'm super excited to have her back on. We're talking about a new book and a new topic, just briefly about Michelle. She practices as an Ayurvedic lifestyle counselor, yoga, and meditation teacher. She has a couple books out. She has a couple books coming out, so she's staying busy, bringing us all kinds of fabulous information and topics like this one here. This book in particular and topic, what we're going to be covering today is called Help. I think my loved one is an alcoholic, a survival guide for lovers, family, and friends. And I feel like this is such an important topic to cover. Michelle and I are going to talk about how this is a shameful type of topic, something that no one likes to talk about, whether it's uh, you're a family member or have some type of issues yourself that should be discussed and, and you need some help with. So I hope you enjoy this different type of topic we have coming up today on Exploring Mind and Body. Sit back and enjoy. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Michelle in the introduction, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi, Drew. So you're back on Exploring Mind and Body. <laughs> Thanks yeah, so much for... it's wonderful to be back. Yeah, thank you. So the last show for our listeners, Michelle and I had a fantastic conversation probably a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, that was on the wheel of healing with Ayurveda. I always have trouble with that word. That's okay. The wheel of healing with Ayurveda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if any of our listeners want to go back and check that out, that was a great interview which is why I was super excited to hear about your new book and have you back on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back on. Yeah, this is a little bit of a different spin, still a mind-body health instead of Ayurveda. It's talking about alcoholism and addiction. It is very different, and it's still a topic that I'm interested in. I think it's a problem that a bigger problem that many of us don't know about, and I wanted to shine some light on it. How did you get into, or why did you write about this topic? It came from a personal perspective. Um, about four years ago, I got into a relationship with someone who was a very high-functioning alcoholic, and it took me a while to discover that it actually was a problem. Um, and I, I found myself really surprised that at age 40, I hadn't known anyone who was an alcoholic personally. I believe that in, in a sense, it was almost because I feel like people don't really talk about it. I and mean, people, since alcohol is a socially accepted drug and legal drug, then, you know, people kind of just accept alcohol use is something that's normal and a part of daily life. But there are so many people out there that are suffering from alcohol addiction. I really wanted to understand what he was going through from a personal perspective. And it touched me deeply because I said, you know, this, it feels like it's this person is doing it on purpose. But I knew inside of me and through, you know, psychology 101 way back in college that it's a disease, it's not a moral failing. 
And so doing research on alcoholism, it really um, stimulated my interest in learning more about what alcoholism is and how to help the person and how to help yourself if you're in a relationship with an alcoholic. And so through your research, you just thought that it was a good idea to write about everything that you learned through your experiences and learning more about it? Well, what I discovered through my research was that there were a, there was a lot of information and a lot of books on the codependent relationship and how not to enable an alcoholic and the fact that you have to use tough love. From the perspective of the person who loves an alcoholic, there was very little information on what goes inside of his or her mind, what goes, in, what goes on in the person who has this disease. And and I wanted to know, how does this person feel on the inside? Like, what is their journey? What are they going through? And how can I bring compassion to the relationship from that perspective? Um, because it's very easy to be at odds with the person with whom you're in a relationship who is an alcoholic or addict and kind of look at them as the enemy, looking, looking at them as the bad person. And because there's so much hurt that happens with the addictive behavior, that it's really easy to just take on that role that I'm the good person and you're the bad person. And I didn't want to do that. And I really wanted to understand. And I felt that if I had a difficult time understanding and I was pursuing all these books and articles and things to really understand what it was, that somebody who may not be as inquisitive might truly not understand. And I wanted to bring that into light. And I feel that there's still a shroud of shame surrounding the disease as well. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, why do you think that no one talks about it because of that shame, because of that embarrassment? Yeah, I really believe that in society today, which is really strange because, you know, here we are in 2017 and we have so much knowledge about so many different things and diseases and social issues and, you know, lifting the prejudice around people in certain social status or gender. And here we are in this age of information. And I believe that alcoholism is still one of those things that people don't want to talk about it. You know, how many people are going around saying my father's an alcoholic, my mother's an alcoholic, or my brother or sister, or my husband or wife, people just don't talk about it. It's just they're so ashamed. And Shame is linked, in my opinion, shame is linked to still believing that it's a moral failing. If someone said to you, oh, I have cancer, you wouldn't feel ashamed for them. <laughs> you would be like, oh, I feel really bad. Like, you know, do you need any help? Like, can I make dinner for you or can I bring you to an appointment? You're not going to be like, oh, shame on you. You got cancer. You know? Pull yourself together. <laughs> yeah. And what I believe society as a whole really needs to embrace and accept is that alcoholism is a disease. The people are not out there doing this on purpose. Yes, they need to come to, um, a mindful awareness that, hey, um, something is way off here and I need to change. But it really is a multifaceted disease. You know, it's a chemical addiction. It's a physiological, you know, it's physiological. So then it's psychological as well. And it's also a spiritual and relationship disease. All right, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I'm going to ask Michelle more details as to if this is more hereditary or learned behavior. If you want more details about our free kombucha workshop, head over to trueformlife.com slash how to make kombucha. Stay right there. We'll be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. I want to take a moment to tell you about the Sunshine House Financial Center right here in Sussex. Because you take your health seriously. You set goals and make a plan to reach your health and fitness targets. Have you thought about a plan to help you reach your financial targets? 
Whether you're dreaming of retirement, saving for your child's education, or protecting your family in the event of death, disability, or serious illness, Sunshine House Financial Center has the financial security planning solutions to help you reach your goals. A goal without a plan is just wishful thinking. What's your plan? Contact us today and we'll help you develop a financial plan for you, your family, or your business suited for your lifestyle and budget. Starting today, you can lay a solid foundation for your financial independence. Call 433-4588 to speak to Greg, Jane, or Edward Keith. They're looking forward to hearing from you. So when you say disease, is this something that is like, is it hereditary? Is this something that we're born with? Do we, the more we drink, is it the worse it gets? Tell me about that. Research has shown that um, there is a genetic component and actually scientists can't quite understand fully what causes someone to become an alcoholic or drug addict. Um, There are some markers they have found in certain chromosomes. They found genetic markers that if your grandfather was an alcoholic and your father was an alcoholic, that there's an increased likelihood that you would become an alcoholic. So yes, there's definitely a genetic component there, but it's not, it doesn't guarantee that you would become an alcoholic. And in that instance, it would be if siblings of the same parents, you had some children who did become an alcoholic and some who didn't. Environmental factors certainly do come into play because 60% of all alcoholics had alcoholic, one or both alcoholic parents and grew up in that environment. So there are environmental factors or just, the fact of seeing parents or loved ones as that is their ability to cope with stress and their only ability to cope with stress. And so that they pick up that habit. Studies have shown also that if someone is consistently a heavy drinker in which they haven't yet crossed the line into alcoholism, that consistent use of heavy drinking can then switch the brain's chemical reaction so that you do become an alcoholic, meaning that there's a point of no return. There's a point at which the brain chemistry is severely changed. And in that instance, no longer becomes a choice to drink, it becomes a compulsion to drink. So when you mean when you say choice, do you mean when you're at a party, when you're sitting at home, can, can they stop? Or is this what you're saying? Is this disease that there's there's just no there's no ability to say I can have one and walk away? That's exactly it. So basically, in recovery circles, they even say that the choice to have the first drink is your choice, but any subsequent drink after that, it becomes that it's not a choice because the brain is so used to having that chemical in order to produce normal feelings for you. That once for for a person who is diagnosed as a an alcohol abuser, an alcoholic, after that first drink, they don't have the choice anymore because their brain kind of takes over. But it, there's always a choice to take that first drink. But for you or I or someone who just does not have that compulsion to drink and has the brain chemistry that's going to incite us to drink more, then we can't stop after a drink or two. We're able to. Um, There are a lot of other markers that can help you to understand if you've crossed the line from heavy drinking into full-blown alcoholism. And, And some people think that, oh, you know, it's really easy to just stop. Like, you know, I... I can do this. I can do this on my own. But there are certain markers and there are certainly tests online that you can take to see if you've actually crossed the line into from a heavy drinker or social drinker into full-blown alcoholism. What kind of markers can we 
pay attention to, I suppose, if we're ourselves or for maybe family or friends? Some of those markers would be um, after the first drink, you find that, or you or your loved one, you find that they cannot drink one alone or two alone. It always has to be more. There's always a seeking or a desire for more. One one example is when the person in my life who's an alcoholic, um, we'd go out to, let's say we go out to dinner and there was a bottle of wine. He had to make sure he finished every last drop of that bottle of wine or um, he would finish even everybody else's drink at the table. So if there were family members like recovering alcoholics I interviewed said, we call wasting alcohol as alcohol abuse. If you waste the alcohol, that's called alcohol abuse for us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sounds like a college party. (laughs) Yeah. And so they try to control the drinking. So someone who doesn't have a drinking problem does not have to control his drinking if that makes sense to you. So if you don't have a problem, you don't have to control the drinking. An alcoholic will try to control the drinking. They'll say, I'm going to a party tonight, I will only have two. Or this morning, I'm not going to have a drink. And that's actively trying to control the drinking. And a person who's not an alcoholic doesn't even give it a thought. They drink alone, that's another marker. They hide alcohol in various places. They start to hide it in the car, in the garage, in the cabinets, in the bathroom. They drink alcohol for the effect. They find excuses to go and drink. Or they will leave a place if there's no alcohol present. And go get alcohol or just leave because they're not interested? Oh, you know, they will actually leave to go to a place that has alcohol. So one example was we were going to go to this hookah bar to meet some friends and he was Googling the hookah bar and it says does not serve alcohol. And he just said, oh, we can't go to that place. So it's just they need to be in a space where there is alcohol present. They avoid friends that don't drink alcohol and family members that don't drink. Um, They get angry when confronted about the drinking. So those are some of the markers. And if you take a questionnaire and you can answer yes, I think it's something like to five or more of those things. That's an indication that the drinking has crossed the line. It's kind of funny that you mentioned how they avoid people that don't drink when in most cases, well, usually if you don't if you don't drink on a regular basis, you usually avoid people that drink heavily. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there is an opposite effect there. Yeah, so it's these behaviors that don't they're not apparent in the beginning so much, but they're definitely apparent as time goes on because alcoholism is a chronic lifestyle disease just like any other lifestyle disease such as diabetes or hypertension. So it's a chronic lifestyle disease, but it's a progressive disease and it's a fatal disease. So it's a progressive disease, meaning that it will get worse as time goes on. It it is guaranteed to get worse. And fatal meaning that alcoholism always ends in death if something else doesn't kill you first, such as a car accident. And one third of all alcoholics actually die of suicide, other fatalities. So it really is a tragic disease. Like I said, is that those were things and statistics that I never even knew about because like I said, people don't talk about it. All right, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I'm going to ask Michelle what a high functioning alcoholic is. And if you're looking for a little detox to get your body going in the right direction, Head over to detox.trueformlife.com. Stay right there. Be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. 
I want to take a moment to tell you about Complete Truth Protein. Now, Complete Truth Protein is a whole food supplement. This means it's made with whole foods, being quinoa and hemp hearts. Many times when we look at conventional supplements, our body has a difficult time absorbing, digesting, and utilizing all the nutrients, which is why I always prefer and suggest whole foods. So if you look at Complete Truth Protein, it's it's a plant-based product. It's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free and GMO-free. It's also a raw product. So we're looking at all kinds of ways to improve your health that's going to be easy to utilize, digest, and absorb, and more than anything, burn off as energy. The very first thing customers tell us is they can't believe how much more energy they have from adding Complete Truth Protein to their smoothies. So head over to hempy.ca slash ctp. Now, if you want 15% off, all you have to do is enter an EMB in the discount discount code hempy.ca slash ctp michelle earlier in the show you said high functioning alcoholic that's something Mm -hmm. that was interesting to me what does that mean most alcoholics are what you would call high functioning obviously if you think about the word alcoholism or alcoholic oftentimes we think of what is portrayed in the movies, right? So we think like, oh, the drunk at the bar who's just sitting in the corner, kind of dirty, his hair is all disheveled, and he's making some weird comment that everyone kind of looks at him. Or you think about the bum in the street on the park bench who's just looking through the trash can. So those are the images that we tend to get when we think about an alcoholic or someone who suffers from alcoholism, but most alcoholics are extremely high functioning, at least for the first 10 to 15 years of their disease. They're holding down jobs, they're paying the bills, they have families, they're teachers, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're politicians, they're, they have high level jobs. And so even though they have this crazy, insane problem that this disease that's really eating them up inside, they're functioning at a relatively normal level on a day-to-day basis. So they get up in the morning, they go to work, they do their functions, they come home. And for many that are high functioning, that's when the drinking begins. And in many of the people I interviewed for the book, they said it would be like the clock would you know, hit five o'clock PM and they would leave work. And that's when the drinking would start and the drinking wouldn't end till nine, 10, 11 PM. They go to bed, they get up the next day and then they would do the same functions that they did every day. Most of the time, extremely hungover, but they did get through their day and um, they would make deals with themselves kind of like, Oh, um, on the weekends, if I don't drink before noon, then I'm not an alcoholic. Or during the week, if I don't drink until 6 p.m., then I'm not an alcoholic. They were functioning and at the same time being an alcoholic. So most of them would drink in the evenings, let's say, as opposed to cracking a beer or pouring themselves a hard drink, you know, first thing in the morning? Now that's, yeah. And so that's really what happens usually for the first, like I said, the first 10 to 15 years of of the disease. So once you cross that line, you know, and many, many alcoholics cross the line fairly early. In my discoveries, many alcoholics start drinking at age 11 to 15. The disease progresses actually a little bit faster when it's a child starting to drink because their brains are still developing. And so the alcohol actually severely um, changes the brain chemistry on a permanent level because their brains aren't fully developed yet. 
And so, but for the first 10 to 15 years, what I've discovered through my research and through speaking with recovering alcoholics is that they are not typically drinking during the day for those first 10 to 15 years, there are certainly exceptions. Until the disease progresses into a worsened state, they're typically able to just hold off until like at least midday, if not the evening time. But they also know how they drink. And that was one buzzword that kept coming up in my interviews is that they would say, I know how I drink and therefore I held off until 5 p.m. Um, but once alcoholism hits the later stages of the disease, they were not able to even control it until later in the day. Oh, I see. So they say that they know how they drink and it's not going to change. So they want to drink as late as possible. Because well, it's start. more like, yeah, it's more like the compulsion. They understood the compulsion and that let's say you go to a business meeting or you go out for a business lunch at noon, um, an alcoholic knows how he or she drinks. And so they know that if you're going to just have one martini or one beer with the buddies at work, they know themselves that they would not be able to stop. All right, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I'm going to talk to Michelle about if this addiction ever really goes away. And I'd like to direct you to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trueformlife for recipes, motivation, fitness tips, and more. Stay right there. Be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. I want to take a moment to tell you about Detoxify Yourself. Now, Detoxify Yourself is really a personal story that I put together in a book for my clients and family and those interested in how I teach to live a healthy lifestyle. I had no idea it would become a bestseller in a major city, Calgary, Alberta, where I grew up. I was on Global News, and I want to share more about it with you right now. So Detoxify Yourself talks about the main food substances that I choose to avoid, which is no gluten, dairy, soy, or GMOs. So this is a 30-day meal plan that avoids all those substances. It also talks about the toxins not only we put in our body, but we put on our body as well and the toxins we surround ourselves with like a toxic environment. So if you want more details about Detoxify Yourself, if you want to kickstart on how to avoid these toxic substances, I have all the recipes laid out for you. I have all the information. It's very simple and easy to follow. So head over to trueformlife.com for more details. Did you find out any research around brain chemistry after someone was to quit or did you interview anyone and found some success stories that going through alcoholism and then they stopped drinking did that does that ever go away that addiction um the addiction never goes away so it is a chronic progressive and fatal disease but the compulsion to drink is taken away with a recovery program so you know i'm sure everyone has heard of aa in 12 step groups um, Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step groups. And through the recovery process, and I, there are some people that really believe in 12-step groups and Alcoholics Anonymous, and there are some people that really don't believe in it, and they believe in other methods of recovery. I am not an expert on recovery, but I've seen results of people that have been through 12-step programs and followed it to the T. In speaking to many recovering alcoholics through that process, they've said, one thing that was taken away was the compulsion to drink and that obsession with drinking, but the addiction is still there. So what they say is if I take a drink tomorrow, um, I'm back to where I was when I, when I stopped drinking because it's a progressive disease. 
oftentimes what happens when alcoholics relapse is that it goes back to the point at which they stopped, not the beginning point, not the A point, because it attacks what the alcohol does is it attacks the prefrontal cortex first and foremost. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for our judgment. And so it impairs your judgment completely. So they're unable to make a conscious choice once the alcohol is in their body. At what point did you know that there was an issue, there was a drinking issue with the loved one in your life? It was probably four to six months down the road. It was it was little signs. And, and granted, had I known then what I know now, I would have seen the signs much, much sooner than I did. But, you know, the one thing about alcoholics and drug addicts is that they're really, really good at hiding their game, meaning that because they feel so guilty surrounding the disease and the alcohol consumption and the drug drug addiction, whatever it is that they have, they have a second personality that is fantastic. Their second personality is loving, kind, compassionate, and just like this fantastic salesperson, so to speak. So on the outside, on the other side of things is they're really, really convincing. They're like, oh, I don't have a problem. I've just had a really rough day. And, you know, this is just a way to help me relax. Or look, I just went jogging for an hour and I'm drinking this power shake. And, you know, I made all these sales at work around the month of December of the year that we met earlier in the year, he had said, I will go one month without drinking because I'd been bringing up like, I think this might be a problem for you. And he said, okay, you know, after my birthday, I'll give it up for a month. You'll see, it'll be fine. I can do this. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. And so the entire time I was thinking like, oh, you know, he's not drinking. And, you know, he had acted relatively normal most of the time. So I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is not a problem. He can do this. Well, then... Um, I discovered because there was some weird behavior that had happened. And I'm like, okay, this this really doesn't calculate. I looked in the back of his car and I realized there were a bunch of empty bottles of vodka. So when I confronted him, I realized that he had actually been drinking the entire time that he said he was sober. And I was dumbfounded because I hadn't even realized it. And I was like, whoa, I was like, oh my gosh. And so it was at that point that I really realized that it was it was a major issue for him. And was there any shame on your part to, or guilt? Like, how did I not know that they were drinking this whole time? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the, you know, and it really felt like this. It felt like, you know, they say that women are men that are in a relationship where someone's cheating. And they said like, man, there were signs. How could you not know? And the other, you know, spouse says, I just didn't know. Like, I did not see the signs. All right, we're going to take one more short break, and then we're going to wrap it up with Michelle. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far, so stick around for the conclusion of Michelle and her alcoholism interview. Stay right there. Be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. Sometimes the show once a week or even twice a week just isn't enough. So if you want more content, if you want to know more about what we're doing at True Form Life, you can find us on Facebook. We're on there posting at least twice a day in the morning and the evening. That's at facebook.com slash trueformlife. Or on Instagram, that's kind of my favorite platform. I like to post my food pictures and some of the activities that I do, maybe hiking or whatever that may be. And that's just at Drew Tadia on Instagram and then Twitter as well. That's at trueformlife. So we're highly active. We'd love to connect with you. 
So find us on your social media platform and let us know how you're enjoying our show. Michelle, where can we find out more details about your book and what you have coming up here in the future? Oh, great. Yeah. So um, the book is called Help. I think my loved one is an alcoholic, a survival guide for lovers, family and friends. And you can pick it up on Amazon. Um, and I have a new book upcoming called Enlightened Medicine, Your Power to Get Well Now, and that'll be out in July 2017. And uh, another book, Seven Days to Chakra Healing, that'll be out in March 2018. Wow. So you are busy writing away. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. Michelle, do you have a website we can direct us to? Yeah, you can go to www.fondenwellness.com. Fantastic. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you for sharing your perspective in this information that I think should uh, certainly be talked about on a more regular basis. Thank you so much, Drew. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of our True Form Life community through your downloads, shares, reviews, comments, everything that you do to contribute to the show. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. If you do get a chance, head over to iTunes and leave a review. That certainly helps out the show. You can also take this show with you wherever you go by downloading the free app, or you can find all past shows going up on exploringmindandbody.com. If you want more details as to what we have going on, you can head over to trueformlife.com. This is where we have a free 10-day fitness challenge. This is a perfect way to boost you and get you going in the right direction. The workouts take 20 minutes or less, no equipment required, and we also offer nutrition tips and recipes along the way. Recipes is something that we specialize in. You can find more recipes at trueformlife.com, or you can head over to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash trueformlife. I'm going to leave you with that. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddy, in health and fitness, for a better word. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.